Well, as Maddie and Jack Bennington come forward to read our text for us, let's stand. They'll be reading from Exodus chapter 3, 13 and 14, through chapter 4, verse 20. Thank you. Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 through 14, and chapter 4, verses 1 through 20. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Then Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice. For they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? He said, A staff. And he said, Throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, Put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand, that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Again the Lord said to him, Put your hand inside your cloak. And he put it inside his cloak, and when he took it out, behold, his, land, his hand was leprous like snow. Then God said, Put your hand back inside your cloak. So he put his hand back inside his cloak, and when he took it out, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. If they will not believe you, God said, or listen to the first sign, they may believe the latter sign. If they will not believe even these two signs or listen to your voice, you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground, and the water that you shall take from the Nile will become blood on the dry ground. But the Lord said, to, but Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. But he said, O oh my Lord, please send someone else. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you. And when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth, and will teach you both what to do. He shall speak for you to the people, and he shall be your mouth, and you shall be as God to him. And take in your hand this staff with which you shall do the signs." Moses went back to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, Please let me go back to my brothers in Egypt to see whether they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. And the Lord said to Moses and Midian, Go back to Egypt, for all the men who were seeking your life are dead. So Moses took his wife and his sons and had them ride on a donkey and went back to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the staff of God in his hand. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. We're going to spend time in this passage this morning as well as next week. I asked our staff if they would provide some of our new members to read this morning, and I didn't have any part in the selection, but the woman who just read is my daughter, Maddie, who was four years old when she came to this church. Four years old, you helped raise her. 
and our help raising her. She's helping raise other covenant children in this church. Her husband, Jack, is a seminary student at Dallas Theological Seminary. He felt no pressure from me to join our church. (laughs) But there were many more than five questions that I asked him (laughs) a little over a couple years ago. Okay, it's 1022. You're wondering, how long will we be here? Well, I've already told you we're going to move this text into next week because I don't want you to miss it. Not a person in here hasn't wished that God would give them a sign. Not a person. At some level, in some way, you've said, if only God would. But I don't believe you. I don't believe you would believe it even if the sign was as great as a burning bush because Moses had the sign. God, in a theophany, I believe Christ himself in that burning bush was not enough for Moses to say, okay, I'll go. Four times God told him to go. But there was a louder voice. And you know that voice. It was his own voice. Even as the bush was on fire, And even as he responded, God himself, to Moses' question, what am I supposed to say to them if they ask who sent me? And he says, tell them, I am. Tell them, I am sent you. Do you know what I am means? It is the ultimate statement of self-existence, self-sufficiency, omnipresence, omnipotence, all-knowing, omniscient. It's God standing right now, ever-present, unchangeable, completely sufficient in himself to do what he wills and to accomplish his plan of rescue. He cannot be stopped. But Moses, who saw the burning bush, who saw the sign, was reluctant. The reason he was reluctant, and I'll go into this more next week, was because there was something louder. And it has to do with his eyes, and it has to do with his ears. He had not planned on anything spectacular happening that day. He was just doing his job, and it's so like God to interrupt what is normal and ordinary to make himself known. And he does, and it's through this theophany, this visible expression of the living God. He tells Moses that he has a heart to rescue his people, and he's going to use Moses, his servant. Moses sees and hears the burning bush, but there's something louder. And what is louder is where his eyes have gone. Though he may have still been looking at the burning bush, where his eyes had really gone was to focus on the audience. The audience to whom God would send him, and the audience would first be the elders of Israel. And what does Moses say? Look with me again at verse 1, chapter 4. Moses answered, but behold, they, and they is the Israelite elders, they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Moses is having an imaginary conversation. It's not with the burning bush. That's real. But the imaginary conversation is that the people who are the elders of Israel will not believe me. And he has a right to believe that. 
Because the last time he was with them, they said to him, who has made you judge over us? So he has this imaginary conversation taking place. And he can't imagine that the people of Israel, the elders, would listen to him. And so what he does is he has that imaginary conversation as his eyes are focused on the audience is he disbelieves the very word that God had spoken. Because in chapter 3 of Exodus verse 18, the Lord said, they will listen to you. Moses is calling God a liar. It's not that clear, but that's what he's saying. They will not listen. And the reason is because the audience, their voice was louder than God's. The second part of Moses' reluctance is centered on where his eyes went next, and they went to himself. And what does he say? He says in verse 10, Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since. You've spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Well, have you ever felt inadequate? Moses' eyes move away from the audience for a moment now to look at himself, and he sees that he's not sufficient. He's not able. He's not eloquent. You want a mouthpiece? I can't speak that way. Now, this is important. You can miss this. Moses' disbelief is seen in how he addresses the Lord. Look at me again at verse 10. You've got to look. But Moses said to the Lord, you noticed, by the way, babies do that. Get over it, all right? You do it too. It's just not as loud. But Moses said to the Lord. Now notice in verse 10 of chapter 4, the word Lord is capitalized, all letters. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. It's Yahweh. It's the name that God had revealed who he was. But how does Moses address the Lord in verse 10? Oh, my Lord. He doesn't use the name that God had given him. God is small in Moses' mind. Even though he's in a burning bush, the only time in history, he's seeing the sign. God is small in Moses' eyes and his ears. And the noise of the audience and his inability is loud. You ever feel that way? Do you ever feel like, oh, if I just knew a little bit more, then I would be able to answer any possible question that my friend, my, no, my neighbor, my family member, or somebody on a plane might ask me. We have everything we need because our focus is not upon our abilities. It's on him, his ability, and that's what God does. So I want to do a quick summary of what Moses now experiences as God deals with his reluctance. I want you to see that God doesn't really focus on Moses. He focuses on himself. But what he does is he does things with ordinary means. Go back up into the text, verse 2 of chapter 4. Moses is complaining. He's scared. And so the Lord says to him, what is that in your hand? He said, a staff. Now, what is a staff? It's a piece of dead wood. It's something that he picked up or maybe was made that he would use as a shepherd, but it's dead wood. God takes something ordinary that is in his hands and he tells Moses to do, do what? Children, you're gonna love this. He says to him, throw it on the ground. 
And when Moses takes this dead stick, the staff that he has used as a shepherd and throws it on the ground, it turns into a real snake. And we imagine it's a poisonous snake. And as it suddenly begins to do what snakes do, this thing that Moses has held all the time, has used to serve as a shepherd, he runs from it. The very stick that is in his hand, he's now running from because it's a snake. The snake, the serpent, was the big sign and the big emblem of the people of Egypt. It was on everything, everything that had to do with power. And now that serpent is moving along. So the God who turned that dead wood into a living snake says to Moses in verse four, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. By the way, this is being spoken from a burning bush. Don't forget. So he puts out his hand and he caught it. Can you imagine? It's really cool. In the Hebrew language, when God says, pick it up, it's strong language. It's graphic language. It means grab it. When it tells us what Moses did, it's very weak language. It means that he just kind of snatched it. But he did. He was obedient. The voices in Moses' head, his own, about his limits, and the audience are louder. So then the Lord says this in verse 6. Put your hand inside your cloak. And he put his hand inside his cloak, and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. Well, here's the point. The God who is sovereign over the stick is also sovereign over the hand that holds the stick. And Moses puts his hand inside the cloak and it really does become leprosy. We know the end of the story, so we're not shocked by that. Moses, for that moment, had leprosy. The incurable disease, the contagious disease, the one that we know was rampant in Egypt, which would have people placed in leper colonies, Moses has it. And then the Lord says, stick it back in your cloak. And when he does, he's healed. He gives him a third sign. The third sign is this. He says in verse nine, if they will not believe even these two signs or listen to your voice, you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. And the water that you shall take from the Nile, which means life to the Egyptians, by the way, will become blood on the dry ground. And this very miracle that Moses does will become the first plague. It's pretty amazing, isn't it, all that's here. So Moses still complains, reveals his disobedience. Verse 13, oh my Lord, capital L, small case O-R-D, please send someone else. And the Lord is angry and he has a right to be angry. Because Moses is living in the reality of a God that is small, even though he's speaking from a burning bush. Because the audience is so loud, and we're just like him. He speaks of Aaron as a gift. We'll talk about more of that next week. The text ends by saying, Moses took his wife and his sons and had them ride on a donkey and went back to the land of Egypt. 
And Moses took the staff of God in his hand. That staff that had just been a serpent, that hand that had just had leprosy. And he was obedient. What a sign. The staff became a sign for the people of Israel. An incredible sign. He would use it to part the Red Sea. He would use it as the plagues were ushered in. He would use it to strike a rock and water would flow. What a sign. But friends, in Jesus Christ, we have a greater sign. A sign that is much greater than the staff. Because there was a much greater prophet. A prophet who was not reluctant and disobedient as Moses. Who understood what was happening and cried out to the Lord, Lord, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will be done, but yours be done. He knew what was coming. He was sobered by that, but not disobedient. And Christ himself would be placed on dead wood. And his own hand would be nailed to the cross. And his blood for our sins would be shed and dropped on dry ground. And the cross is our sign. And that sign is so much greater than the burning bush. That sign is so much greater than the staff. It's so great because when we see the cross, what we see is what Christ did for us, past tense, did for us. That's why we don't have a crucifix with Jesus on the cross. It's because he's not on the cross anymore. Because along with the cross, our great sign is the empty tomb. His body wasn't there. This is the fifth Sunday of Easter. And we celebrate that every Sunday because it's our sign. And God has called us just as he called Moses to go. The 84 new members are going to go places I could never go, to islands I don't have access to, and places of work and recreation. You go with the sign of the cross and the empty tomb to let the radiance of Christ shine out of you so people will wonder, why are you responding so differently? Why are you able to admit evil and brokenness in the world and yet you are not without hope? It's because of the cross. It's because of the empty tomb, these signs that God has given us. The church today though, friends, we must confess when the voice of the audience, the audience can be scary. It wasn't just the elders of Israel. It was also the most powerful man of the most powerful nation that Moses was to speak truth to. But when that audience, no matter how powerful they are or how familiar they are, when they speak louder than the God who's given us his word, we won't obey and we miss the blessings. When 
our own inabilities, our own perceived lack of giftedness is louder than the God who revealed himself in the burning bush and who became a living man, Jesus Christ incarnate. When our inability is greater in its noise than who he is and what he's able to do, we will, like Moses, resist. And there you see again, though he's angry, the grace of God providing everything we need. That's what the sign of the cross and the empty tomb are all about. It's not just a neat story once a year. It's power. It's power. It is I am power. For on that cross, the one who said, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the vine. You are the branches. The one who said, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. He lives in us through his spirit. That I am power goes with us everywhere he has called us to go. It's the power of the cross and the resurrection. Alive, alive, alive in us. Father, thank you for the patience of your people and the hunger of your people, the thirst of your people, forgiving us that and enabling us to hear what we could never hear and see what we could never see. We all, Lord, at times ask for a sign. Let us see that you have given it to us. You are the sign. Holy Spirit, illuminate Christ, his death, his resurrection, his reign, and his promised return. Let us, Father, bring you glory now with the way we lift our voices in singing of the power and what you have accomplished. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Please stand and sing with full voice.